0: Hit well, into a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here! Ball gets away! He's going to break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast. A review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. We are one week away from the start of baseball season. Hello everybody, my name is Trent Rush. Glad to be with you here on this Angels Recap Podcast. Boy, we got a big show uh, to get to today. I am just excited that baseball is so close. And man, the Angels look really good this spring. I, I am somebody that I don't put too much stock. I, haven't even, I, I have not even looked at the Angels win-loss record. I don't know what it is. But I'll tell you, following them on a daily basis – Man, they are, they are playing good baseball right now. I want this season to start yesterday because I want to see this team continue playing at a high level once the games actually count because I think there's a chance that this team could be pretty special this season. Okay, here's what's coming up on the podcast today. We're going to go through the five players that I think are, are the most interesting coming into 2021. I'm not saying the five best players for the Angels. I'm saying the five most interesting. Players And and there's actually a different interpretation of interesting for all of them. I'm going to explain all of that later. Uh, I put it out on Twitter, so those that follow me on Twitter, at Trent Rush Sports, already kind of know uh, the five that I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to give an explanation for why these five, to me, are the most interesting interesting also Chris Rodriguez is gonna join us here on this podcast we're gonna talk about uh, the Angels uh, rookie that has turned a lot of heads with his fastball so far in spring training and and what a journey he has been through has dealt with you know multiple injuries including a pretty nasty back injury that took him some time but now he is back he is healthy and my goodness it has been fun watching Chris Rodriguez so he is gonna join us coming up in a little bit um, you know we're gonna keep having great guests for you because we're gonna have a a full lineup this year on AM 830. You know, Roger Lodge does such a great job Mondays through Fridays getting you ready on the pregame show, and, and I'm happy with you on, on every home game, on, on the postgame show, on Angels Recap. I'm doing a bunch of other pre- and postgame stuff, too. So, uh, we're looking forward to that, and of course, Terry Smith and Mark Langston on the call, and, and man, Terry is working his tail off, by the way, uh, doing all of these uh, spring training games solo on the radio. He's been doing a, a, a tremendous job, and, uh, you know, Terry's, Terry's one of the best, and uh, excited to hear Another season of Terry Smith calling Angels baseball. And then we we get the reunion of him and Mark Langston back together, man. Uh, those are just the, the kind of sounds you just ache for all offseason. You just want to hear Terry and Mark together. And that's what you're going to get here on AM 830. Okay, here now are the five players that I find most interesting heading into 2021. Now, number one should be pretty obvious to everybody. And that is Shohei Otani. Let's not forget the guy is what? you know, 14 strikeouts and eight innings so far on the mound. He's run his fastball up to, I don't know, 102. Shohei Otani has been incredible. I have talked ad nauseum about how great Otani has been this spring, how excited I am about Shohei Otani this year. I don't think that he's the most interesting player on the Angels. I think he is the most interesting athlete in sports. I think it's that fascinating what Shohei Otani is doing. You're talking about an international superstar. You're talking about somebody that we've kind of been waiting on for some time. You know, 2018, we got a pretty good glimpse. We got to to look through the window at Shohei Otani. We did not get that in 2019 when he was banged up. We did not get that in 2020 when he was still recovering from being banged up. I think we are going to get it finally now here in 2021. We're finally going to get a chance to see Shohei Otani at his best. And I can't wait to see that because it could be pretty remarkable. Uh, the fact that he's hitting 600 to the plate right now. He's got, what, four home runs in the, the the 10 games that he's batted in? He's hit home runs as far as 468 feet. How many other people have hit 468-foot home runs and a fastball that hits 102? How many? Else, who, who else has done that? Anybody? No. Nobody's done that. Shohei Ohtani, to me, is the most interesting athlete in sports. He's doing something that nobody has done in 100 years. You know, Babe Ruth was the last guy to do this at a high level as a two-way player. Shohei Ohtani is the first guy since him who is widely regarded as the greatest player of all time. I don't think he is. I'm actually a Willie Mays guy. Actually, I've more recently been converted to a Hank Aaron guy. But anyway, it's those three. And Shohei Ohtani is trying to do something that has not been done since Babe Ruth. I mean, the two-way thing, the demand on the body, the demand on the brain to be a two-way player. But I do love Shohei Ohtani. You know, the other day he goes and uh, when he hit and he pitched in the same game, which was so cool to see. And he got on base all three times in that game. He had the fastball at 102, or excuse me, 101.9, 102. He had the fastball there, and then he had uh, at the plate, he got two hits and drew a walk. So three times up, gets on all three times. Okay, so Shohei does that on the same day, and he was asked about like you know the preparation for that. He's like, yeah, you know, I prepped to pitch, and then I just hit in the cage for ten minutes. I'm good to go. That is incredible. Um, can't wait to see that during the regular season. I, I think we are going to see Shohei hit and pitch in the same games, and I know that it's a strategic disadvantage. Now, here's the thing: it's a it, you're rolling the dice. Okay. You're rolling the dice with that with Otani because let let's say that he has a start where he goes, things go really poorly and he goes two innings. All right, well then you're pinch hitting for Shohei probably three times throughout the course of a game. Um, but if things are going that bad for Shohei early, what are your odds? Like let's say you know the Angels are down eight nothing after two innings. Like what are the odds of winning that game anyway? Okay, not that great. Um, that's, that's like, that's, that's the gamble you take. Cause then you got to pinch it the rest of the way through. If Shohei gives you five innings, odds are he's going to bat at least twice, maybe a third time. And you figure, you know, four at-bats a game on average. Okay. For somebody in the top third of your lineup. So you're probably going to pinch hit for Otani, um, once, twice, I mean, he's, you're going to get at least two at, at least two at bats from Otani if he goes five innings, which actually might make things interesting for where you stack Otani in the order. Like, let's just say Otani is pitching that day. Maybe he's best off in the leadoff spot because that's more comfortable for him to get back on the mound like he hit the other day, or maybe have him hit second so at least David Fletcher can get on and then is your next batter, then you're getting him up more often. I mean, if you put Shoei fourth in your lineup, then there's a chance that maybe you do have to wait a little longer, uh, two more batters, and that makes you know things tougher on the pinch hit situation later in the game. I think that is something to consider. But realistically, if Shoei gives you a quality start, okay, gives you six innings, how many times realistically are you going to have to pinch hit for Otani? Once, twice, maybe. Okay, so so when Otani comes out of the game, you know a new pitcher comes in. Whoever that new pitcher is, that that guy now has to hit. You're essentially, um, you know, taking you're, you're taking away the advantage of the designated hitter. But how often does that count? And you have to weigh, you know, the the risk, the risk and reward. And the reward is if you have Shohei Otani in your lineup to hit and to pitch on the same day. I, you gotta like your chances, and clearly that's something he's comfortable with, and, and it's all going to depend like how he's feeling and if he's feeling well. But you do that together, there's a chance that the the risk doesn't really come into into account here. So you got to pinch it three times now. If Otani only gives you one inning or two innings, all right, well you're probably not going to win the game anyway. If Otani is only going to give you one or two innings, so I like the idea of Otani. Um, hitting and pitching in the same day, as long as he feels good. And it sounds like he does. It sounds like he wants to do that. It sounds like that's something he's comfortable with, and it sounds like that's something that Joe Madden is comfortable with. So, you know, the Angels bench has to be a little deeper, Um, you know, maybe one or two players deeper that day. All right. I I think we we can all live with that. And it also would mean that if Otani is going to hit, on the day that he's pitching, it would mean that either Jared Walsh or Albert Pujols would be one of the pinch hitters available. So, do you really feel bad? Like, let, you know, if, if Otani goes, you know, if Otani goes six innings and gets three at bats, you know, when you have to, you know, bring him out of the game, bring in a reliever, and then when it's his fourth time up in the order, Albert Pujols is the pinch hitter. A fresh Albert Pujols is your pinch hitter that spent the whole game in the cage, ready to go for that at bat. Is that really such a bad thing? Because that's now a role that Albert, I think, is going to have to become more accustomed to this year. Uh, we'll talk more about Albert in a moment. But I'm you know, I'm interested in that. I don't think it's much of a disadvantage. If you have Otani give you three at-bats, and for that fourth at-bat, it's, it's Albert Pujols. Now you go deeper into the game, and you lose a possible pinch hit situation down the road. Um, you have an extra innings game. That, that, okay, that opens up a, a whole new thing. But I'm willing to take that chance, and I think Joe Madden is too, and I think Shoei Otani feeling good outweighs any of the um, negative side effects of the Angels having um, a, a, their pitcher hit in the game and basically eliminate the DH uh, out of contention there. But uh, look, it's, it's been incredible what Shoei Otani has done. What's his OP? When you know, I checked his last OPS, it was like 1,800. I mean, it's like in 10 games, like it's crazy uh, what Otani has done. He's the most interesting player on the Angels, he's the most interesting player in sports for me. I don't care what the sport is. Shohei Otani is more interesting than anybody else. Uh, While we're talking about Albert Pujols, I think Albert is fascinating to me for what he's going to be. First of all, he's having a great spring. And he's probably, I mean, he's going to have a chance to start on opening day for the 21st straight season. So that's amazing in and of itself. But I think the very best of Albert Pujols is still very good. Now, do you get the the very best of Albert Pools at his age all the time? You just don't. I mean, Father Time's undefeated at his age. You you do not get Albert at his best very often, but you you still do get it. Uh, he's still a, a good run producer, and I think that with Albert Pools, the, the reason why I'm interested in him because it's going to be a new role for him. I mean, he's probably he's only going to be a part time player this year. But if that's a role that Albert embraces, and he says he's all about the team, he doesn't care about the playing time, okay, I I believe him. So so if that's true, and he takes on this role, I think that you're going to get the very best of Albert Pujols for 70 to 90 games, as opposed to a worn-out Albert Pujols for 140 games, 150 games. Boy, what a difference that is. Give me fresh Albert. For seventy-five, to, or for seventy to ninety games, then I I, th- I really like your chances. You, when you keep him fresh, you keep him healthy, you give him a little bit more recovery time. I mean, that's the thing. You get more days off equals more recovery. More recovery equals a healthy Albert. A healthy Albert is a productive Albert. I think that we can all kind of follow that that math algorithm there. I think we can all get behind that. And I think that uh, you know Albert can still be productive. He's still a productive run producer and he's going to help this team in other ways too in a mentorship role doing a lot of different things. Al- Albert is still really valuable to the Angels. But if he can be fresh in, in that, you know, 70 to 90 game window I think that that's going to help this club a lot. And you're, you're just taking the demand off. And the demand has been so high. Really, since Shohei Ohtani has come to the Angels, the demand on Albert Pujols has been astronomical because he's had to play so much first base. Nobody at his age should have to play as much first base as Albert Pujols has had to play. Okay, But because of the way Albert does take care of his body as best as you possibly can, and the situation with the Angels by having Ohtani, Albert has been forced to play more first base. And he's welcomed that challenge and has done a great job at first base. Albert pools is, is still, I think, an elite defender at first base. Albert catches everything. I love watching Albert play first base. I think he is the most underrated defensive first baseman in baseball. Even still. I mean, that's what's so incredible. So, if Albert can be productive at the plate, he's also an insurance policy if jared walsh has a sophomore slump so jared walsh i don't think he's going to have a sophomore slump i I think that he's going to continue tearing the cover off the ball do i expect walsh to hit like he did last september no but i do expect him to hit close to that level and you you saw it in the minor leagues you look look at his 2019 triple a stats. i understand it's a pcl i know everything's inflated uh playing in salt lake I, I, i get that especially for hitters um but you look at, you know, Jared Walsh, you think what you saw last month is something that's going to translate, and you feel good about that. I certainly do. But you don't really know for sure until you see it happen. And if Albert can be productive and can be that insurance policy and can be that mentor for Jared Walsh, and the two can work together and Walsh can have some days, you know, if Walsh needs to figure things out at times, and Albert can go play three days in a row and, and give Walsh a little, um, uh, you know, kind of a, a mental breather there. That's all good things. I mean, Albert can be that insurance policy. If Albert Pools is your insurance policy, my goodness, that's a good plan. Jeez. I, I mean, I, I love what Albert Pools uh, can bring to this team because you're not expecting him to play 150 games. You, you just you're, you're you you do not want that from Albert Pools because then you're not getting the best Albert Pools. You, if you can bottle up, you know, the best 80 games for Albert, and those are the days he plays, the days that he's feeling at his best, and he knows he knows his body. Then you're gonna you're gonna have a team with a really deep lineup and you can kind of ease Walsh into being an everyday player. I mean Walsh, I, I, I fully expect Jared Walsh to take the lion's share of starts at first base. though I do think there's a chance Albert Poole starts on opening day. I, I do think that could happen. Um, let's talk about Justin Upton for a moment because he is the next most interesting player to me. I think that you take some of the pressure off of Justin Upton the way this lineup is. I mean, when you got David Fletcher at the top, and I, I don't know exactly how Joe Madd's going to go top of the lineup here, but if you go, let's say you go Fletch one, Trout two, Rendon three, Otani four, and then either Marsher Upton or excuse me, Walsher Upton five or six or Pools in there some com- some combination of that probably probably Upton five, Pools six or or Walsh, you know see, see who's hot. You really take the pressure off of Justin Upton by not having him in that top four. You extend your lineup, and you allow him to be able to go through some of the streaks that he goes through. We know Justin Upton is going to have a run this year where he struggles. We know Justin Upton is going to have a run this year where he tears the cover off the ball. It's what he has done every year as a major leaguer. Justin Upton is a streaky hitter. When things are really good for Justin Upton, they are phenomenal. When things are go- not going so well for Justin Upton, he struggles. That's the way Justin Upton plays. You have to know that. But when you're giving that kind of protection, when, when, when Justin Upton is hot, and you got Fletch, Trout, Rendon, Otani, hot Upton, and we're not even getting to Walsh yet, we're not even getting down to Jose Iglesias. They did 370 last year. Again, I'm not expecting Iglesias to hit 370, 280 lifetime hitter. I, you just look at that lineup and just think how many runs you're going to be able to score at the top. There is no room to breathe. The starting pitcher starts the game. First five, when, when Upton is hot like he is right now this spring, first five, you can't breathe as a starting pitcher. And I love that, that protection that Justin Upton brings. And he's finally 100% healthy. And that's going to be really significant for j I thought he came into camp last year in tremendous shape. He looked really good. You know, Joe Mad was comparing Upton to looking like a prize fighter coming into camp last year. I, I think that Upton's slow start. I, I don't know exactly what happened between March and July last year for Justin Upton, um, but I, I don't think Upton was able to get back into everyday baseball shape as quickly as maybe some other guys did. And I think that had something to do with his July and August struggles a year ago. But now he's finally healthy, had a, a regular offseason. He feels like he's in rhythm. And, again, he's a rhythm guy. When when Upton says he's in rhythm, well, let's go back to, you know, kind of the streakiness with Justin Upton. So if Jay up is in rhythm as a guy that kind of depends on rhythm – that's that's kind of what defines a streaky player because when things are clicking, that means they're going really well. So that means he's feeling right, and then when he's maybe not in rhythm, he's not feeling as well, and then they go into the slumps. So so rhythm is an important thing uh, for Justin Upton, and I, I also think that you know maybe there was some positivity that came out of him essentially getting benched last year. I mean, if Justin Upton doesn't have the struggles in you know July and August, we probably don't see Joe Adele up as soon as we did a year ago. And once he did have to take on a new role of coming off the bench, because Jacob got benched last year, like there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it, um, he w- seemed to figure things out once he was thrust back in the lineup. I, I, don't, I don't know that he needed that to like light a fire or anything, but I do think that having a little bit of time off to reset some things was probably pretty good for him. And we saw it. And he started, you know, he's also talked about trying to spray the ball to all fields and not just try to, to pull the ball and, and, and mash to one side. He's trying to, to hit all fields, and that's a good thing. So now you can't shift on Justin Upton. So now when you, he does pull the ball and he rips it, now you know those are extra base hits as opposed to maybe getting caught with you know different situations. I, I think that's going to all be good things uh, for Justin Upton. Uh, for me, the bottom line on Jay up is I think he is the X factor to this team. I think if Justin Upton is right more often than he's not, the Angels are going to win a whole lot more than they're going to lose. That's just how I feel. I think Justin Upton is a really key player. I was going to say that Shohei Ohtani, coming into this year, I said Shohei Ohtani was the X Factor. Um, His spring has taken me from, from taking him as an X Factor player to being, I could pencil him in, I know I can count on Shohei Ohtani. So I, I just I already feel good about that. Uh, okay, next most interesting player to me, I want to talk about pitching. I want to talk about Alex Cobb. I, I think you're seeing an uptick in his velocity. He's up to 95. Uh, it was sitting 92 last year. 92, 93. To be up at 95 is good. I think those two mile an hour play. Um, he went to drive line to kind of work on getting that velo up. And he worked a lot on the lower half of his delivery. had a mechanics change. I think that's going to be good for him. I think getting him out of Baltimore is going to be a good thing. I mean, he says he saw what Dylan Bundy did a season ago and wants to follow that same model um and that includes throwing some more off speed too it's not just a ballpark thing it's not just an opponent thing it's it's you know he's made a mechanical change and kind of a mental change of of like how he wants to approach hitters by throwing more off speed he saw Dylan Bundy have that kind of success he wants to follow the same thing that's good and if Cobb is good it really raises the floor of this rotation of this rotation excuse me because if Alex Cobb is is good And we're seeing Quintana, who's pitched really well this spring. He keeps that up. I mean, you look at this staff. You look at at Bundy, Heaney, Canning, Cobb, Quintana, and Shohei Otani. Those six. Probably start the year with those six. You look at that, the Angels are going to have a chance to win every single night. You were not able to say that last season. You haven't been able to say that for several seasons. You you have a staff that's going to give you an opportunity to win the ball game and let this lineup hit every night. I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but if you you know if you, if you have a four ERA, four and a quarter ERA and the with this lineup, I think the Angels are fine. Like that I, that, I think that's all you need. You don't need the Angels pitching staff to be dominant. You need them to be solid. You need the, the pitching to be solid with a lineup that's going to be remarkable. And that could be a really good recipe for the Angels. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, the bottom line for me on Cobb, if Cobb works out, he completes the rotation, and there's there's not a concern there. I know Patrick Sandoval's been really good. I know Reed Detmers is on his way. Thought it was interesting. Joe Maddon made some comments about Chris Rodriguez maybe being a bullpen piece this year and say, thinking his stuff maybe plays better coming out of the pen. That's interesting, and he could also be a long relief guy because he's stretched out. Rodriguez is an interesting player. He's not one of the top five most interesting to me. Maybe he's six, but he's right there. And we're going to talk to Chris Rodriguez in a moment. So bear with me. I'm sorry I've taken so long in getting to see Rod. Uh, We're going to have that for you momentarily. Uh, we got one more player. I'm sorry. I'm just excited. I have a lot to say. uh, I'm fascinated about what could be in 2021. and, And some of the players that we're talking about here, I'm just really intrigued by it. So we got one more, and then Chris Rodriguez. And that's Brandon Marsh. I love what I have seen from Brandon Marsh for the last several years. I mean, I remember seeing Brandon Marsh at high A-ball out in Inland Empire in 2017. I mean, we've been following Marsh for a long time. I also think that there is, you know, not only is he possibly going to add power and speed to this lineup when he does come up. I mean, I'm going to assume Dexter Fowler is going to be the opening day right fielder, and, and, and you know, Ligaris is not far away. And, and you know, Marsh is probably a second-half-of-the-year kind of player. But he's interesting to me because if he does come up and hit right away, it does a number of things. I mean, one, it raises the profile of the Angels' farm system, which then gives you an option. Either, um, you know, the view of the Angels' farm is now a lot higher if Marsh comes up and is studly right away. And and maybe that ends up turning into you know having to make a trade for an ace. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I, I think it pushes Ade- Joe Adele a little bit, and not that that guy needs any more pushing. That guy is as intri- intrinsically driven as anybody. Uh, but but I do think that, that you know something to that. His buddy Marsh, you know, if he comes up and has success right away, I think Joe Joe's going to try to push to get to that. Um, I think that it could upgrade the Angels' outfield defense because that was a big area of concern a season ago. I um, mean, Brandon Marsh a, is an outstanding defensive player. And I think that if Brandon Marsh really connects and really hits at this level, hits in the sense of at the plate and also in the sense of just has success at the major league level, I think that could allow maybe for Mike Trout to eventually move to a corner. I'm not saying right away. I'm not even saying next season. I, I, maybe we're talking two, three years down the road. But Mike Trout... I don't think is going to be a center fielder forever. I mean, when he gets to age like 33, 34, it might make a lot more sense for him to be in a corner. And he's worked hard, you know, defensively to get a lot better in center field. And we all know he struggled in center field a year ago. Um, you know, it's certainly by Mike Trout standards, not by everybody else's standards, but by Trout standards. And I I do think that there is going to be a day where Mike Trout is a corner outfielder. I don't think today is that day. I don't think tomorrow is that day. I mean, we're talking two or three years down the road minimum. But when that happens, if the Angels have a proven guy in-house that can go play a great center field for you and can be a major league quality hitter and can do a lot of things well, I think that could really open things up. And I think Mike Trout could maybe even be a better hitter um, in a corner spot, I, I don't know that that's necessary. Again, I, I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about you know in the future. But that that's an interesting one to me, and that's why Marsh is fascinating. Um, and, and again, bottom line on Marsh: if a prospect is going to make an impact in 2021, my belief is that it's going to be Brandon Marsh for this season. I, I think really, really highly of him. Uh, so those are the five most interesting players uh, for me in the Angel system. Uh, again, not, I'm not necessarily saying the best. But the five most interesting, the guys that I'm most intrigued in, I'm very curious about what their seasons are going to be like um, for all the reasons that I mentioned below um, or before. All right, we're joined now by Chris Rodriguez, who is is a name I think Angels fans have been hearing for a long time. And finally this spring we are seeing it. And my goodness, uh, he has been every bit the flamethrower he's been advertised to be and then some. Uh, Chris Rodriguez join us, us now. Uh, Chris, what's going on? Good morning. How are you?
1: Hey, how's it going? Everything's going well over
0: here. I I guess so. I mean, we've been seeing, uh, you know, the fastball velo, I think, has just been kind of eye-popping this spring. Uh, I know that your journey has just been incredible, but, you know, what has it been like for you this spring training to be um, on this stage and to have the kind of success uh, that you've
1: been having on the mound? Man, it's just been a huge blessing just being able to be on the mound, man, just the past two years are kind of rough being uh, in rehab and everything for my back. So just being out here is just a huge blessing. And you know, I'm happy that I can finally show what I got and finally uh, kind of make a point that I got what it takes.
0: I know when you did your Zoom call with the writers, there were a lot of stories about uh, you know your journey and your background. But can you give us just a, a little bit of a, just for, from your vantage point, what your time has been like since you became a professional baseball
1: player? Um, man, I think the perfect way to say it is basically just, it's a roller coaster, man. It's been, it has its ups and it has its downs. Um, kind of when, in 2018, when it first, when my back first started hurting, I had that whole year out, you know, I thought, okay, maybe this is just going to be one year. I'll be, I'll be fine in 2019. And in 2019, I was throwing through a ton of pain and, um, it was to the point where after, uh, the 11 innings or nine innings it was, I, I had to, you know, just get another MRI and see what it was. And when I found out I was fully fractured, I mean, um, I had a choice to rather throw through it or kind of get surgery. And I think surgery was the best route to go. Um, but it's, man, it's been a roller coaster, you know, sleeping on the floors and, you know, just figuring out something that where this back could finally hold up. And, you know, surgery was definitely what it was. And, you know, I thank God that I'm In the place I am in right now,
0: I would imagine not just from a physical standpoint, because, I mean, there's a, you know, people know how. demanding going through rehab is and um, you know especially a back injury more than anybody else uh, or any any place else can be absolutely brutal but just for you from like a mental standpoint like how tough was it for you to kind of keep your eye on the prize if you will knowing that hey i, I still want to make it the major leagues i still believe i can have a successful baseball career i just got to get right how tough was that for you to, to kind of stay on the up and up just in, in your headspace
1: and I think the mental game was the toughest part about the whole whole uh, situation because um, you know one year people can be like, okay, this is only a year, you know, um, but then two years hits and you're you're thinking about you know, like, is this even going to get better? Um, am I going to be able to play again? You know, a lot of it hits, and luckily, um, I had a lot of faith. Um, I believed in myself very much. Ever since I got drafted, I told myself that you know I'm going to give everything I got and for me to not to play for me not to chase my dream. I'm my back's got to legitimately fall off. So, um so that's that's kind of the mindset I had and luckily I had had a lot of friends, had family that were there for me and uh yeah, kind of they helped me get through it and that's it.
0: Dude, that's some strength. I mean, where does that uh where does that come from? Is that something that just kind of kind of growing up, family atmosphere, would you have maybe a mentor uh when you were growing up, somebody that you kind of followed? That kind of thing?
1: Um I mean <clears throat> my family we've been through a couple things uh every now and then with sicknesses and um just family situations where you know you can't give up and you know luckily I have two parents who uh who've gone through those onuses and they've never given up so that kind of uh, kind of put the spark in you and it, it you know why should you give up if they didn't give up type of thing so um kind of just the way I was raised you know we were told to go 100 percent if you know if you're not heart's not in it then that's it but luckily i still have love for the game and i'm going to continue this
0: what has it been like hearing from friends and family now that they're getting to see you not just pitch but pitch on tv and wearing an angel's uniform and, and all of this what has it been like to hear from them and get this kind of experience
1: Man, like I said, it's just been a huge blessing. Like, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of my friends that have reached out are more excited than I have been. You know, they they express their excitement. And, you know, I love when people reach out to me and they're saying, hey, good job. Hey, you're doing great. Hey, uh, like, even on the bad days where I don't have a great day, they still reach out and say, hey, man, you got this. Like, keep your head up. It happens to everybody. Um, and that, to me, is, is huge for me because uh, kind of it's the foundation of everything. You know, I love support. I love family. And I love my friends, so luckily uh, I've had a very very good support group.
0: Let's talk about your hater. Cuz what's what's that fastball up to? 98. I think we we got you clocked at something like that. Uh, I mean, it has been uh, really cool to see. Uh, is this something that has you've kind of had and we maybe we just didn't know about it because you've been banged up or is this something that has kind of been new for you to be throwing this hard?
1: Um well, my first year I was up to 94. You know, I was, you know, I had had pretty good stuff, but, you know, uh, through the back surgery and everything like that, you know, and constantly working on my shoulder strength, working on everything, um, and luckily, I had a very good medical group here in, uh, with the Angels, and we kind of built a very good foundation, so luckily, uh, I mean, in 2019, when I threw before the back surgery, I was able to get up to 97 uh, for the kind of first time, and that was great, and then after surgery, you know, we just kept going at it. And um, in the alternate side, I was able to get up to 98, you know, which has been amazing. And then this offseason, I really just worked on health and uh, kind of continued what I've been doing. And luckily this spring, I've been 96, 99, which has been a huge blessing, man. And, you know, yeah.
0: Forgive me. I'm sorry. I cost you a a mile an hour there. My bad. (laughs) But that's that's, that's been cool. What was the alternate site like? Because... I mean, this is something, I mean, we talked to Jared Walsh about this a little bit, too. Just going, you know, it's not a real season, but you're trying to compete, and you're with a bunch of guys that are all, you know, close to major league quality or, or at that spot, and again, you hadn't pitched in two years. So what was that kind of experience like uh, to go through the, the alternate training site, and just how competitive was that?
1: Um, You know, that was really just a big learning experience, um, kind of, I wasn't in like the highest level I've been in, as everybody knows, is High A. So I wasn't able to really. I faced a few really good guys. However, you know the consistency wasn't as good as it was in the alternate site. And the alternate side, like you said, you got big leaguers over there that are up and down, and they know a lot. They've been they've been up to where I want to be. Um, and yeah, and kind of I was just trying to pick everybody's brain. You know, if I made a bad pitch, they made me pay. And I asked I about ask them after that bat and be like, Hey, like, what did you see? What were you thinking out there? Like, what can I do better? And luckily we have a great group over here and everybody uh, was willing to help. So that was great. It was an awesome experience. And, you know, I think it prepared me for this year. It's cool to hear that
0: because you kind of think of 2020 as being a lost year for so many, but it really wasn't for you. I mean, to have that experience, and, and I, I think I remember you saying you felt like you threw something like 70 innings um, a season ago. You know what's been interesting this year, you know, in, in spring training and seeing, you know, what plays for you and and I know that you've always been profiled as a starter, and Joe Madden says that may still end up being the case, but if there's needs in the bullpen, uh, maybe you know, you're at the major league level in that role. Is that something that you've given much thought to about what your role could be here for this 2021 season?
1: I mean, I've said it from the very beginning, even in spring and, and any other year, I've said, like, whatever I have to do to help the team win, whatever Joe needs, whatever Perry needs, I'm going to be here and I'm going to do what it takes. You know, I want the team to win. I think everybody here wants to win. Um, So that's my mindset with all of this. So whether I'm a starter, whether I'm a reliever, I don't care. I just want to be on that mound and I want to compete.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing, like, like watching you guys in games and seeing you a little bit from afar, um, you don't totally get the vibe. I am curious because Joe Madden has spent so much time talking about the culture and the camaraderie and the chemistry and just just how valuable all of that is. What's it been like with this pitching group as, as a unit? I mean, how close are you guys um, and, and what has kind of the vibe been like this
1: spring? I mean I think the pitching group's awesome, you know we have a good mix of young guys and uh veterans, and luckily the veterans take the young guys under their wings and you know they kind of they teach us things you know if we do something dumb um they they tell us and uh and yeah, and honestly everybody's been getting along, everybody's been talking, having conversations, you know baseball conversations off the field conversations um and I think the atmosphere is amazing. I think what Joe and Perry have done is uh kind of pat brought in this great group of guys and kind of where the locker room is going to be great, and I think that's going to transfer on over on the field. So I'm really, really excited to see what's going to come.
0: It's time to play baseball games that count, right? I, I know. I know everyone yeah. says there's a such thing as a dog days of spring. I feel like maybe we're in that right now with the season being this close. But, but Chris, I, I really do appreciate you spending some time with us uh, today, uh, telling us a little bit more about your story. And man, I'm excited for what you can do here with this uh, with this club. I think uh, the future is incredibly bright. And I really appreciate you uh, giving us some time this
1: morning. Hey, I appreciate you guys, and I'm excited too.
0: There is a lot to like about Chris Rodriguez, a lot to like about these 2021 Angels. I think that this can be a really fun team this year. I think they're going to surprise some people, and, and there's a real opportunity here. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. If the Angels pitching can be solid with this lineup, Man, sky is the limit uh, for this group, and I am pumped up to see how that plays out. We're only a week away from games that actually matter. I, I know, I, I love spring training when it starts, but now we get to this point, and I'm like, okay, let's just get the season going, please. I'm tired of waiting. I get very impatient. I get extra impatient when I'm extra excited about what is to come uh, this season. All right, I do want to thank Hannah Stang for all the work that she does uh, in helping put this podcast together. Thanks to Adam Chajko, Grace McNamee, and also Matt Birch uh, for their work helping us uh, get players on this podcast each and every week. The Angels PR team is outstanding. We sincerely appreciate all of their efforts. My name is Trent Rush. Thanks to all of you for tuning into this podcast. Finding us at angels.com slash podcast. Hey, if you haven't already, please subscribe. It helps us out a bunch uh, if you want to do that. Plus, it uh, get you uh, in the loop there when this podcast does come out. You'll be among the first uh, to hear it there before we blast it all over social media. Of course, you can follow me at Trent Rush Sports. Follow Angels Radio at at Angels Radio, KLAA, and of course, at Angels, which I'm sure you already do, but if you haven't yet, uh, get on that. By the way, uh, single game tickets are on sale starting on Friday, but if you are a, a registered user at angels.com and you subscribe... Uh, there, you have an opportunity uh, to get in on the action a little early for single game tickets to come see the Halos in person here at the Big A. Long, long overdue. We need you here at the ballpark. That's what's really getting me the most excited about 2021, and you can do that starting on April the first, opening day for the Angels and the White Sox. One week from now how sweet is that all right have a great rest of your day and thanks for tuning in this has been the angels recap podcast take care everybody